I'm going to read a few scriptures, and then I'm going to delve into a, a thought that I hope will provoke us all to believe that we actually can grow up and become like Jesus. Isn't that the ultimate goal for all of us? And so, Melissa, I think I would like you to read my verses. If you all would like to write the verses down, I'll give them to you right quick so you can write them down before she reads them. It's Matthew chapter 10, verses 1, 7, 8, and 25. And then Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And then Mark 3, 13 to 15, Mark 11, 22 to 24, and Mark 16, 14 to 18, and Luke 9, 1 and 2, Luke 10, 1 and 8 and 9, John 14, 12 to 15, James 5, 14 to 18, and Matthew 6, 10 and 12. And I'm going to ask Melissa, as you read them, Melissa, say each first in case somebody got on late. But just take your time and read through those verses in that sequence and i'll make comments as i feel appropriately led okay yep all right here we go matthew 10 1. jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and yep. every kind of sickness do we do that seven and eight and as you go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand heal the sick raise the dead cleanse the lepers cast out demons freely you received freely give 25 it is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher and the slave like his master if they have called the head of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign the members of his household? I'm in a, I'm in a meeting. Thank you. Okay, I want to I want to stop just for a second. Um, we can hear you, Stan. Um, um, I think verse 25 is an underlying reason why most Christians don't live those verses before because we do get maligned if we try to replicate the life and ministry of Jesus. We do get persecuted. We do get marginalized. We do get talked about. We do get pushed back. And so that's why I threw that verse in, because when we get through with all these verses, you'll understand why I threw that verse in. Okay? Let's keep going, Melissa. All right, Matthew 18, verses 18 through 20. Oh, 28, Matthew 28. Oh, I'm sorry, it says 18. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. 
Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, <laughs> teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Mark 3, 13 through 15. And he went up on the mountain and summoned those whom he himself wanted, and they came to him. And he appointed 12 so that they would be with him and they could and he could send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out the demons. Mark 11, 22 through 24. And Jesus answered saying to them, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted to you. And make, I'll make a comment. And I said this last week, I believe, in, until you believe in your words, your mountain will never believe in your words. And the main emphasis of what I'm going to try to get to before we're done today on this Zoom is, is there a possibility for us to ever have an unmixed belief foundation? And so we got to learn and discern where the undermining of our belief is coming from. Because if we truly do believe in our words, mountains will have to move. And so it's not all on it's not ever on God's end, right? That the power is messed up. It's on our end. And so, yeah, keep going, Melissa. Mark 16, 14 through 18. Afterward, he appeared to the 11 themselves as they were reclining at the table and he reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Luke 9 one and two and he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of god and to perform healing luke 10 verse 1 now after this the lord appointed 70 others and sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. Luke 10, 8 and 9. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, and eat what is set before you and heal those in it who are sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. John 14, 12 through 15. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. 
Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Okay, can I make a comment on the John 14 passage? You, you all will notice that all these passages are Jesus commissioning people to go out and do what he wants them to do. Okay? Every time he sends them out, he gives them authority and power over demons and to heal all sickness and all disease. He tells first his 12 disciples that, and then he tells 72 others that, and then in John 14, he says, all you have to do is be a believer and you can do it. And so you can be a part of the 12, you can be a part of the 72, or you can be on a Zoom call in 2022 and be a believer. The commissioning is the same. And verse 15 is very important, you guys. He says, if you love me, you will do this. <laughs> you guys see that verse? That's why I threw verse 15 in. If you love me, you'll do what I'm telling you to do, right? Because obedience is God's love language. You guys Amen. agree with that, right? Okay, uh, go ahead and read James. Finish up the verses now, Melissa. James 5, four, uh, 14 through 18. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. <coughs> Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Matthew 6, 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew 6 and 12 and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And so what led me, what led these, okay, Holy Spirit help me here. What made me finally bring this topic out of the closet was um, the fact that, well, there's a lot of factors. Number one, I have been struggling with personal hip pain for seven and a half years, standing on the Word of God to heal me. And I've been looking for a, a biblical out to go someplace other than the blood of Jesus for my healing. And so with that thought, I had my friend Rob McCorkle look up all the words in the New Testament 
that used the word therapeo for healing. Okay. Now there are four different words in the New Testament for healing. Three of the words, there's no question that they're referring to the power of God. Therapeo leaves you with a little question about is it a therapy that's all God or do we mix something we can do in with it? Okay, so that's why I had him just look up the 44 places in the New Testament where the word therapeo is used for healing or heal. Okay, there's not one instance in the New Testament where therapeo refers to natural means or to medicinal purposes. It always refers to this in some way. Administer the grace of Christ that's on your life by the Holy Spirit to accomplish a rescue, a healing, or a redemption in a person's body or emotions. In other words, cooperate with the Holy Spirit and give them the power of Christ's sacrifice. That's try I'm trying to make it as simple as I can. And so I couldn't find it out biblically because I'm trying to find, I'm trying to find moral ground. Um, I come from a holiness denomination, you guys, which we say we believe in the Bible, but we really don't. We pick and choose what parts of the Bible we believe in, okay? I was never even ever taught anything that I'm gonna say today, ever. And my three pastors were all general superintendents. And my father-in-law was a general superintendent. And I was never taught that the blood of Jesus is enough and that the power of his word is enough for healing. I was always taught, we have good doctors and good nurses and I believe in, I actually have seven people in my family that are doctors or nurses. And my whole family's always gone to doctors and nurses. But for some reason, about a year and a half ago, the Holy Spirit told me he wanted me to believe for him to heal my hip instead of going the other route. And for the life of me, I couldn't understand it because I always thought, no, we just use doctors. Okay, so that's kind of a little bit of the backdrop of where I'm going to try to get to today. Because I believe in doctors. I, I, lo I love what doctors can do to help us. But my, my, my question is, what's it going to take for the body of Christ to start doing what Jesus says we're supposed to be doing? That's my big wrestle. As long as we have options, can we ever walk in the power of Christ? And most of you know this, that when the tribulation starts, after a little bit, you know, Christians won't be able to get medical care anyway, unless you take a mark. We won't be able to buy food. You know, I mean, there's going to come a time when we're going to have to stand in faith, but why would we wait until we have to? And so I'm just wrestling, guys. 
I, I don't have the answers, so I hope you hear me. I'm not looking down on anybody saying, I wish you guys would get it, because I'm trying to get it. Does that, does that make you guys, does that make sense? I'm trying to get this. I've been praying for people that have died. You get it? I mean, Dave Perkins, Dave Sorensen, they both died of COVID-related issues. I've been praying for a guy named Wes Adams for the past year, every Tuesday before my Tuesday night service. He died, you guys. I've been praying for a guy named Brett. He died. I've been praying for a guy named John. He died. I've been, all these people are dying, and I'm wondering, okay, where's the power? Where is the power? I'm asking an honest question. Where's the power? And what's provoking me is, can we even walk in the power that he says we should be walking in when we think we have options? That's my question, okay? And so I gave this thought to my team last week, okay? And I'm gonna share some of the thoughts that the team came up with before I open it up for your discussion. And I hope you guys that we can have an honest discussion without feeling like we're marginalized or judged because I don't think unity is that we all have to have the same convictions. I think unity is we all have to want to become like Jesus. Does that make sense, you guys? Unity is all of us need to have a motive deep within our spirit that we want to become like Jesus. We don't have to all have the same convictions at the same time. But eventually we've got to become just like him so we can be his bride that he comes and gets, right? Eventually that has to happen. And so I'm hoping that these thoughts today will provoke us to uncomfortability <laughs> so that maybe we could become more like Jesus. Okay, that's the motive behind this. My motive is love. Okay, so the first thing that was brought up by Hal Perkins was, I think the works are a direct byproduct of the relationship we have with Jesus. In other words, the works that we do would be a direct correlation to how intimate we are with the man Christ Jesus. Okay, that sounds really good, doesn't it? But then uh, a person's opinion was voiced, well, that's not necessarily the case. Because you remember in Matthew 7, 21, where Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven only those who do the will of my Father. And the response of the people is, well, we do miracles, right? We cast out demons. We do the stuff. Like, we do the supernatural. And Jesus' response to the people that are doing the supernatural is, away from me, you workers of evil. I never knew you. So then we came up with the conversation as a team. Well, there's a difference between operating in the presence and operating in principle that has to work because God's word can't fail. And so there are some people that know how to use the word of God because it's powerful, but they don't know the author of the word. And they do it for selfish reasons to promote a self agenda to promote and build a ministry to build their own empire because the word is powerful, right? I mean, if God can use a donkey, he can use his word, right? And so 
So we, we came up with this, okay, is it presence or principle? And it has to be both, but it has to be presence first. Does that make sense, you guys? It has to be presence first before principle. An example would be, Abraham, I want you to kill Isaac. Well, if he just would have stuck with the principle of obeying the last word, he would have heard the next, he would not have heard the next word. Don't kill him now. Does that make sense? He would have been okay in the principle, but he would have been out of line because he wasn't in the presence. Presence is always now. Are you guys getting this? Operating in the presence is always operating in the now, not in 10 minutes ago or last week. Is this, is this is this sparking something in your hearts? Okay. So, what keeps us out of operating in the presence all the time? And what we came up with as a team is mostly it's the fear of man. It's the fear of looking like a fool. It's the fear of failure. It's the fear of, well, I set, if I step out and make a declaration and nothing happens, what are they going to say? And we can run all kinds of scenarios in our thoughts, right? About, well, wait a minute. I did that. It didn't work out too good. And so the fear of man, do you guys get it? The fear of man's a real thing in the body of Christ. Would you guys agree with that? And, and so we have the fear of man. Well, then this thought was brought up, you guys, from Mark chapter 6. Remember when Jesus was in his hometown church of Nazareth? And it says he could do no mighty works there. And the reason was because of their unbelief. So we started thinking about that. We started thinking about, well, wait a minute, if Jesus was limited because of people's unbelief, then that's a factor that plays into our ability to heal the sick and raise the dead and cast out demons and cleanse lepers. I mean, if unbelief limited Jesus, it's going to limit us. Do you guys, are you guys getting that? Because when, because when belief was in the equation, everybody was healed. Think about it. You go from not very many mighty works to everybody from five regions. All they got to do is get close enough to touch him and they're all healed. What's the difference? Belief. Which is the whole premise of this Zoom call today. How can we have an unmixed belief foundation if we have options available to us that aren't biblically based. I don't have the answer, you guys. I don't have the answer. Because when Bill Johnson was sick a couple years ago, he spent three and a half weeks in the hospital. When Randy Clark had a hospital, the doc, heart attack, the doctor fixed him. You know, the leading healing evangelist used the medical profession. But then you have people like John G. Lake who wouldn't, and so I don't have the answers. I'm trying to provoke us to think about things we don't want to think about <laughs> before we have to think about them, right? I'm trying to get us ahead of the curb. Is that, do you guys hear my heart or is it impossible over Zoom to try to get my heart across? Um, this isn't easy. This is not easy for me. 
but it's important. It's important. I, I was up early this morning, you guys, wrestling with God because I wanted to preach different messages. He says, I don't think you should. He kept saying, I think you ought to throw this out there and let these people wrestle with this because I've been waiting for a group of people. I mean, there's been, you guys, there's been individuals down through the ages that walked in this reality, but I don't think there's ever been a people. I don't think there's been a people that walked in this reality because of fear, because of hurt, because of disappointment, right? Because of anxiety, whatever. I mean, so it is important, okay? And so what we, what we came up with after that is we think the most important and most appropriate way to try to live how Jesus said we're supposed to be living in the, in the arena of healing and deliverance is living in the rhema word of God moment by moment. <clears throat> in other words, whenever God's speaking in the moment, it's that moment that the power is present to heal. You know, what God said in his word is true, right? It's always true. But what God is saying to you right now usually is what he's trying to do right now. Would you guys agree with that? What he's, what he's saying to you right now in the moment is usually what he's trying to do in the moment, and that's why he's saying it in the moment. The example would be when the angel was talking to Mary in Luke 1, saying you're going to have a baby, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you, and... You know, then it says nothing will be impossible with God in verse 37 of Luke 1. And that's translated no rhema will be impossible with God, right? So what does that mean? No spoken word is ever given without the power to perform itself. And then Mary says, let it be done unto me according to your word. And it happened. The power of God's word got her pregnant, okay? And it was in the moment that it was sent that it had the power. Okay, so that's why Jesus says man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word, right? That proceeds from the mouth of the Father. Because we're not supposed to live just on principle. We're supposed to live in the presence which gives us the principle. Jesus would be the example of what it looks like in principle, but he never left the presence of the Father. Do you guys get it? Like he's perfect theology. Jesus is perfect theology. Let me go back, you guys. I forgot one of the most important things. I think until we are really healing each other like Jesus says we're supposed to be doing, I think part of a confessing your sins to one another should be, I need to confess that I didn't get you healed. And nobody ever talks about that. You know, in James 5, confess your sins to one another. What if we got humble enough to confess, I am sorry I didn't get you healed when I was supposed to? Or what about Matthew 6.10 or Matthew 6.12? Lord, forgive us our debts. What if our debt is we're not doing for each other what Jesus told us to do? Are you guys hearing this? 
I know there's verses where he says, you know, clothe the naked, feed the hungry, give a drink to the thirsty, visit the prisoners, visit those who are sick. I get it. And we do that, right? We do that. But that wasn't the commissioning accounts. When he sent people out to represent him, when we're supposed to represent Jesus and show people what the kingdom's like, demons have to leave. Sickness has to leave. You get it? Disease has to leave. That's how we represent the kingdom. And until we're doing that, you guys, I think that should be a part of our confessions. I think that needs to be a part of our repentance. I repent that I was afraid to believe. I repent that I didn't get it. You know, what if instead of us saying, well, you just need more faith. See, that's not motivated by love. What if our, what if our motivation was just love? What if our motivation was just love? Well, we didn't care about what we looked like. All we care about is the name of Jesus being glorified and people receiving what Jesus paid for in his sacrifice. Amen? Okay, so let's, let's keep going. So, if we believe that the most important way to live, the way Jesus said we're supposed to be living is in the moment hearing what he's saying, right? So we can do what he's saying. Then one of the most important things we could do as Christian leaders is everywhere we go, create a culture of hearing. Like create an atmosphere where we can actually hear God. Does that make sense, you guys? Like create an atmosphere where we focus on hearing God. Amen? Is that weird or what? Is that weird, guys? Like, how do we do that? Like, we have to get through our four songs. We have to get through our sermon. We have to get through our offering. We have to get through all this stuff that's on the page, right? Well, what if we stop trying to get through anything and just make sure everybody heard from God? Oh, this is just weird. So, if faith comes by hearing and righteousness is revealed from faith to faith, then the only way the world is going to experience the Jesus touching them that lives inside of all of us is from faith to faith or hearing to hearing, hearing to hearing, which requires us to live in such an intimate way with the Word of God or Jesus that we live in uninterrupted relationship where everything he says can become our reality. Shake your head, Jess, if you're with me. Okay. So what keeps us from living faith to faith and voice to voice? What keeps us from living that? I would say disappointment, discouragement, pain. Pain, pain has a loud voice, doesn't it? When you hurt, it hurts, right? I will, I will tell you guys something. We talked about John G. Lake. We talked about Dan Moeller. We talked about Todd White because they're people that operate in principle. Like they believe that if it's in the word, you just do it. Like just do what's in the word. But then if you listen to their testimony, sometimes they would pray for people 500 times before a miracle happened or 800 times before a miracle happened. And as a team, we thought, 
Well, I'm glad they persevered through, right? But what if they just would have waited until the Holy Spirit said that person go say this? You see, eventually they got there, but they started in principle. And so what if we waited on the word of the Lord, right? What if we waited because the word of the Lord knows which hearts are ready and which hearts aren't, right? Am I right, you guys? And so that's something we talked about. And, and then this was brought up, you guys. Remember in Acts 16, Paul was forbidden to go to a city by the Holy Spirit. What's, what's so important about that, Dan? Well, that city had all kinds of people in it that were sick, that needed healing, that needed salvation. That city had people that needed to hear the gospel, but the Holy Spirit didn't want them to go at that time. <laughs> so principle is not always the precedent, but presence always is. Are you guys getting what we're talking about? Like. We've got to stay in the spirit. We've got to stay in step with the spirit. We've got to stay spirit led, right? We can't revert back to the letter now that we have a better covenant. Here's what I wrote about Jesus, and we're almost done, you guys. Here's what I wrote about Jesus. Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. Jesus only said what he heard the father saying and that produced a life where everybody that came to Jesus for healing was healed and my my question to us is that house is that how simple it really could be if all of us lived with an awareness of what Jesus is up to and what he wants to do in the moment is that really what he's waiting on all of us to believe and do? It's just, it's just surreal to think about, isn't it? Um, so the challenge for the American church, which is what most of us are a part of, right? The challenge for us is we have options. If we went to a third world country, where they don't have money and they don't have access to medical care, miracles come like 10 times easier there because all they have is belief in Jesus. See, I don't just have belief in Jesus. I know there's two doctors that told me they could fix my hip in an hour and a half and within two weeks I'd have no residual effects. I have options. You get it? I have options. Most of the world doesn't have options. Ah, I don't like this, you guys. I feel itchy in my heart right now. I don't like this at all. Um, Jesus never told us to pray for people's healings. He told us to heal them. He never said, go pray for the sick. He said, go heal them. I give you power. I give you authority. I think there's something incredibly healthy about being severely provoked by truth. I think it's okay to be provoked by truth. I think the bottom line is love has to be our motivation. 
because if love is your motivation, your conscience is clear. Come on, you guys. You can go the way of homeopathic herbs and vitamins and eating healthy and juicing, or you can go the, the way of going to the doctor. And if your conscience is clear and love for Jesus is your motivation, I think you're okay as long as love is your motivation and not self. Would you disturb us enough so we can start walking as the righteousness of God? <laughs> to where our shadows heal people, our clothing heals people, because the same Jesus that was on the earth 2,000 years ago is inside of all of us. So I'm gonna end with this story, you guys. A week and a half ago, my wife got COVID. And so I went and stayed in a hotel for six days so she could be coughing all night long without coughing on me. And um, because I minister to people every day and I wanted to be kind. Anyway, I felt guilty for doing that because if I actually believe the, the blood is enough, I shouldn't worry about who coughs on me, right? Well, then the day that Wes Adam died, I went to his room and he's dying. He's coughing. He's dying. He can't breathe. He's just unconsciously gasping for air. And he's breathing over me. I'm right in front of his lap on a chair, holding him, putting my hand on his chest. For an hour and 15 minutes, he's just coughing on me. Well, the next day I started feeling symptoms. And then I started getting real sore throat. My wife says, you need to have a test. I said, I'm not sick. I'm covered by the blood. And I started rebuking it as a demon instead of giving it a scientific name. And for two days, I wrestled with that. I wrestled because I didn't feel good. And yesterday I had three appointments and I was going to go and stay eight feet apart and just be kind and conscientious in case I have something that makes somebody else sick. And I pushed through you guys and I kept declaring the blood and I literally felt this thing lift off of me at 5.30 yesterday where it, like it left my body. I have never felt anything like that in my entire life. My sore throat left, my headache left, the dull weariness left. It was like I had like energy, like I had a surge of electricity shooting through my body. And I thought, that's the power of the blood. Like the blood really has power. Come on, man. And so I slept last night like so good, like no, I got this morning full of energy. All I have left is just a little tiny, just a little tiny scratchiness, no pain, no weariness, nothing. Like I feel like a teenager and I didn't give in to fear. I didn't give in to fear. Now, I didn't used to think this way, you guys. What Jesus called demons, we have scientific names. If the little boy in Mark chapter 9 was with us today, we would think he needs medication and to be put in an insane asylum instead of having the demons cast out of him so he could be healed. And so what I'm talking about today, guys, it's a real hard, wide topic to try to discuss in one Zoom. I realize that. 
But this is the question I end with before we open it up to discussion. And what I would like to do is keep everybody's discussions to less than a minute so that we don't sabotage the meeting for others to participate. Okay. Here's my question. And it's just a question. It's not the answer. It's a question. Is it possible for us to walk in the power of Christ if we have mixture in our belief system? That's the question. I have one goal. I want to walk in the power of Jesus so people don't have to keep dying. So Holy Spirit, I just want to thank you for your presence that's here. It's tangible, it's real. I thank you for allowing us to work through our belief structures. I know God, before you send Jesus back to redeem the world, that we will be a bride that's just like him. I know that's going to happen. So we're going to have to have one belief, one reality. So God, however you do that in us, our wills are, we want to cooperate with you. We want to follow your lead, not man's lead, not a denomination's lead, not a person's lead. We want to follow your lead. We want to follow the Holy Spirit. We want to follow your word. We want to become just like Jesus. That's our goal. We want to be just like Jesus. And so, Lord, these are kind of, in some ways, exciting topics. In other ways, they, they kind of make us feel weird. Because I've never had to just believe in you alone. And I want to get to the place where that's all I do believe in. So I feel like I have a long way to scratch through. I have a long ways to, I have a lot of thoughts to fight through because I want to just believe in you and the blood. And so I pray you'd help me and I pray you'd help all of us to stay in that tension of being provoked where we just don't settle. We don't settle that we're provoked into earnest hunger, uh, earnest desperation for a greater manifestation of your real life in us. So Lord, I just pray that your healing presence would rest on everybody on this Zoom now. Anybody with a sickness or a disease, I command it to leave in Jesus' name. I command all sickness, and all disease to leave everybody in this Zoom and everybody who will listen to this teaching on our library later. I command all sickness and all disease to leave now in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. I command all demons to leave everyone's thoughts and everyone's bodies. Every demon, I command you to leave in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. 
And I pray, God, that every heart here would just be sensitive to the leadings of your spirit. In our families, our neighborhoods, our ministries, our businesses, in our coming and our going, I pray we would shine so bright that we would stick out. I pray we would stick out. And people would say, what is on you? And it would give us an excuse to talk about you. Lord, I believe we're on the verge of revival. Like you are assembling a people that aren't offended at the call of the gospel. You are gathering a people that aren't offended at the cost. We just want to go. We want to come with you. So I bless every man and woman on this call. I pray that this revival that we have on these Zooms would spread. And I pray that it would change our culture. Lord, the revival that will save the world is inside of all of us. It's in us today. It's inside of us. So I speak righteousness, I speak healing, I speak deliverance, I speak redemption into every family represented on this Zoom. We receive, we receive. We will be a company of people that live and do not die and we will declare the marvelous works of the Lord. And we will not shrink back to fear or doubt or unbelief, but we will press in from glory to glory to glory. And we'll stay from faith to faith to faith. And we give you the highest praise, Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.